Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. All right, a lot to get into, Bax. As we were talking about off the air, I want to uh, start with this. I was listening to a national radio show. I think it was on Sirius XM, and they were talking about college football, and um, they weren't talking about Ohio State specifically, but they were talking about like when college football teams are over the scholarship limit, and they have to have the talk with kids. They have to process kids. I believe as a former player, his argument was, well, even in the age of NIL, you know, these are still amateur athletes. And I'm thinking, it just like, put like a light bulb off of my head. I'm like, are, are they? Like, are, are we sure that they're still amateur athletes? Because we have like backups at Ohio State making close to six figures. They're probably never going to play. And then the, the elite guys are making seven figures. And to be clear, I'm not talking about if you're, if you're a backup offensive lineman at Bowling Green, you're an amateur athlete. I'm talking about the big time college football players. Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, those type of guys. Are they still amateur athletes in your opinion, Bax? You know, we've reached a very different era, not just in football, but in all sports. And the reality is you can't call them amateurs anymore. They're making more money than a lot of working professionals that used to be the donor class to Ohio State. Uh, I think the way we have to use it is maybe like a non-salary professional, right? Like it's some sort of term like that, right? you know? Um, they're not getting paid, but they're allowed to make deals, right? They, you can call it, you know, independent business owner contractors or something. I don't know. Because <laughs> these guys essentially control a business, which is their own brand. But, like, they'll give you a great example on this one. Um, when Luke Whippler was free-falling in the draft, one of my buddies was like, oh, my God, what a shame. And I was like, well, I hope he doesn't get drafted because then he can try to come back. And in today's age, I could easily see something like that flying of them going, look, just because I took agent money, it means I'm controlling my own name, image, and likeness. I didn't have money from an NFL team. I should still be eligible and throw in a fight about it and getting to keep it. That's going to happen at some point, and they're going to win, right? That's just the reality. You know, this, quote, amateur status that they're losing, and it doesn't just affect football. It affects all the sports. Um, one of the big conversations that uh, I had with some of the hockey guys I know is, is that the youth decisions in hockey at 15, you have to choose to go the major Canadian route or the American route where you get to play in college. You're not allowed to play in college if you go play major Canadian junior because technically you're paid and you lose your amateur status. Well, what's the what's going to st- stop a kid from going, I can sign all my NIL stuff and I'm going to sue the uh, NCAA to give me an a- a- eligibility to play, to play college hockey. This is all where this is going at this point because at this point the NCAA – is not going to win any of these arguments. They know it. They lost their big Supreme Court case. Then it's just, when are we going to admit that these are paid people at a different level than the NFL can support? That's what this is. So, yeah, I, I don't think you can use the word amateur around any of these bigger schools. Right? The, the amateurs are the ones who are playing in the lower leagues that want to play their way up into the bigger league where they can get paid. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I, I, I started a thread on, on Bucknuts about this yesterday. I just was, wanted to get uh, kind of take the temperature of the board and, and get their thoughts. And most people agreed with us that, like, yeah, I mean, they're not – you can't call them professionals, but they're not amateurs. Or, it feels like there needs to be, as you mentioned, like, it feels like there needs to be, like, a unique term that we come up with for big-time college football players because they're not amateur athletes anymore. And, but they're not professionals. So it's like they're somewhere in between. But um, Minor leaguers. That's basically what it is. Semi semi pro brass tax on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, I mean, it's just interesting. I just, you know, because again, the genesis of this idea was like, oh, well, you can't, you shouldn't process kids because they're amateurs. Like, come on, you can't have it both ways. You can't have a third string offensive lineman 
who's just along for the ride, knows he's never going to play, making close to six figures. Um, and that's okay, which I don't have a problem with. That's fine. But then you can't, you can't process a kid who's never going to play. It's like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say they're amateur athletes. Um, but then they get, you know, even guys that are never going to play are making coins. So let's get into that. That's, that's the thing with Ohio state right now. They're still two over the scholarship limit, man. I, I can't think of anything in the world that I couldn't care less about than that. They're, Ohio state being two over the limit is like nothing. Like I, there's a, there's a few guys right now. I'm not going to name their names. I'm surprised haven't transferred yet. They're going to need to get the talk. If Ohio state is still two over, they have until camp starts. It's not going to be a problem. The only guy they've lost so far backs that I, you know, I don't think it's a huge deal, but I wish Caleb Brown wouldn't have transferred. That's the one that is left that I wish would have stayed, but um, not worried at all about them being too over. And if they have to have the talk with these kids, that's, that's okay. And I think people don't understand what the talk is. Like some people think it's like a, you walk into coach's office, he goes, son, you're cut. The conversation isn't that. The conversation is, look, we need to have a very real conversation about your opportunities to play here. And your opportunities to play here are your third on the depth chart or uh, or fourth on the depth chart or fifth on the depth chart or whatever. And, you know, you're not going to play this year is probably what's going to happen, barring a lot of injuries. And if you want to play, we'll help you find another place to land on your feet. That's very different from the conversation that people think, which is that, like, listen, I promised you a college degree, but screw you. That's not how it goes. Right. Good luck like, life, just, dude. Yeah. 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 Go bleep yourself. Like, you know, like, like there are very few conversations that happen like that. So like Caleb Brown leaving is because he wants to play. Right. And he knows right. he's not going to. That's why he left. You right. always lose one or two or three kids like that, that us as fans or people who cover this team go, oh, man. Right. They didn't want that guy to leave. Uh, but there is a glut of these linemen that are never going to see the field that, you know, you got to keep an eye on it. That's certainly at a position like that where they're just not going to get out there. Yeah, but two? Two is nothing. Two is nothing. absolutely nothing. The SEC teams for years when we've been throwing fits about this have been like 12 or 13 over, and they straight up cut kids. Or they'll pull a scholarship the week before fall camp because it doesn't work out. That's when it's wrong. When it's a conversation in May, when the transfer portal is an option to open up and these kids are going to land on their feet somewhere, Ethically, that's nowhere near as bad to me. Ohio State's done a great job in the portal. They might not be done. They still are looking at uh, Tywone Malone, of course, D-tackle. If they don't get him, maybe they're looking at another D-tackle. Um, maybe they'll get another offensive lineman. Josh Simmons was a great get. I, yeah. I have a bet. I think they're probably done getting offensive linemen. They also got Vic Cutler. Um, but Josh Simmons was the one. You know, we've been talking about it on the Bucknuts Morning 5 for, what, like the last month that they were going to land an offensive tackle? Two months. Um, and, <laughs> you know, we, I mean, we, I mean, I had, a, I had a very good source on this one, so I'll, I'll give him credit. Um, he doesn't want his name out there, but um, he knows who he is. And um, so he he nailed that one. So um, Josh Simmons, I don't know if he's going to be a starter back, but that was a great get. He's at least going to compete for that right tackle job. Um, Davis and Igbenosan was a great get. Uh, Jihad Carter was a good get. I don't know if I'm going to say great. Igbenosan was a great get. But Simmons, Igbenosan, Carter, Cutler, I'm leaving guys out. They got a long snapper. Styles. Um, yeah, obviously Lorenzo Styles, the most recent one. Um, so they've done a really, really good job in the portal. Uh, you know, I know Tristan Gebbia is just a depth piece of quarterback. But, um, but again, they've done a really good job in the portal this year so far. And they might not be done. 
I think it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in the portal because obviously they want Malone, and he has an interesting backstory. I remember him from when he was coming out of high school and with the baseball stuff. Uh, but I am really interested to see if they go any further in that than than him because I think Simmons is a guy who's going to come in and is probably going to be the penciled in starter as long as he earns it. They're going to put him on the field. I mean that's kind of where it's at here. I think if you watch the right tackles in the spring, they're just not ready yet, right? Zed and Tegra just they're not able to start at the level we need them to. And Simmons might be that guy. Then people, that's the thing too about him. He's not like Vic Cutler. Vic Cutler was a prospect at Ohio State wouldn't have even like sneezed at in high school. I mean, Simmons was a guy who was just outside of the top 300. I think he was like number 320 or something like that. He had a really nice list of scholarship offers. And then he went to San Diego State and played really well there for, I think, two years. So he's got three more years of eligibility. He was a former almost blue chip recruit who popped. That's the exact kind of kid that you should be looking to pick up if you're one of these. I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to use the term power five anymore, Dave. I'm using the power two. It's the big 10 in the SEC, right? right? That's, I mean, if you look at the draft, half the draft was the big 10 in the SEC, more than half, right? And then it would have been why it's like 60% when you include UCLA, USC, Oklahoma, and Texas going into those two leagues. Those two leagues should be farming the top of what what is the other five, right? And then they should also be farming the remaining three. That's what it should look like going forward. And you see a little bit of that here. Um, heck, the bottom of the SEC, that's where we got Igbenosim from. I mean, that's going to happen. That's just going to happen. And if you're Ohio State, you need to be a little predatory like this because, you know, it's just like the big soccer teams in Europe that have the money, know it, and are going to take your best player. Sorry, Brighton, right? Like, that's just how it goes. That's what Ohio State should be doing, and it looks like that's what they are doing. And I'm thrilled with their transfer portal output because it's filling some holes that we uh, we would have been a little worried about. Patrick Murphy would have understood your Brighton reference. I That one just flew over my head. Um, Brighton well, is the tryhards of the Premier League that always do really right. well, and then their best players get bought by, like, the Liverpools and the Man U's of the world. Pat's sitting here somewhere like, Soccer! That's probably at a bar right now, drinking, watching soccer. Um, yeah, say so the game's awake. kicking off for live, right? That's the only time he'll he'll be awake uh, before nine o'clock is if he's like going to a soccer bar at seven a.m. to watch European soccer at seven a.m. But um, I digress. I, Actually, his, his Lakers won late last night, so he's, I'm sure he's still sleeping. Um, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, as you say, I have the same disease, but I lived in Europe for a few years, so I, I I don't I don't turn my nose up at the other football like some people do. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a soccer hater. I, I like I'm, I always get into the U.S. men's national team. Um, yeah, we've got a yeah. nice young roster. I'm looking forward to the World Cup when it's here. Also, Canada, and Mexico, but looking forward to that. And I, I like the yeah. Columbus Crew. Uh, I you know I I have not got into the European soccer yet, but. Um, you don't need to. You got the American part of it down. That's all. That's all I always tell people. If you watch the Europeans, watch the Americans over there. Don't cheer for the teams. It's fine. I've got uh, plenty of sports that I watch. I didn't think I could even watch any more sports, and now I'm watching more sports than I ever have because now gambling is legal. So I found myself watching NBA playoffs more than I have since my Chicago Bulls were relevant many moons ago. All right, let's get to a couple questions here. <laughs> um, this is from Mike on YouTube. Any updates on Brian Hartline? You know, I think he's doing fine. He's out on, on the road recruiting. Mm -hmm. So I imagine I imagine he's still probably, you know, taking some Advil. Uh, but he got banged up pretty good. But uh, thank goodness. I mean, that could have been a lot worse. And thank goodness he's okay. I, I think he's okay. Um, I don't want to speak for him, but he's out on the road recruiting. So that's good news. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you can you can recruit with some some coaching mishaps. I took a lacrosse stick to the face last week. It's fine. Heartline's fine, guys. You know, unfortunately, sometimes when you drive dune buggies and four wheelers, things happen. So it seems like he's all right, and that's a great thing. Yeah, and he's just he's just it's unbelievable what a great recruiter he is. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just like one after another. It's like every it's just it's it's incredible. It's incredible. All right, let's get to a couple more here. Keep firing away with questions. Yeah, Bax took a lacrosse stick to the head and had to get stitches. Yeah, here too, but they got the stitches out there, so that was good. Oh yeah, and the mount you got it all got all in the face. Oh. In the next face. time, next time you demonstrate a drill, make sure you tell the long poles not to come close down on you, and you get a stick right to the grill. I was just like, guys, let me show you how this is gonna work. And then I'd look up, and there's a child running at me with a giant long pole. I'm like, ah, damn, blood everywhere. Not good. It was gross. It was not, not good. I'm a hockey player. I didn't lose my teeth. That's all I cared about. <laughs> Well, hockey players lose their teeth. What are you talking about? That's how you exactly. That's the part that sucks. It's these cuts and stuff, whatever. You right. have like a missing. It's like how you know, like the wrestlers when they got the cauliflower ear. I always yeah. tell my friends, like, don't, don't, no, no, don't mess with that guy. You, better, you see a dude with a cauliflower ear, and you started something with. You better go apologize to him. Yeah. That, hey, bro. That, I'm that, sorry. That how many beers fight. do you want? Like, I don't, I don't want to end up like that Oklahoma you. football player. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with wrestlers, man. Do not mess no. with wrestlers. Don't mess. No. With wrestlers. Uh, all right. We're just getting off on all kinds of tangents. I love it. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's get a couple more questions here. All right. Michael on Facebook. Do all of these guys in the portal get picked up? And if not, what happens to them? I don't know if all of them get picked up. I think there has been talk about guys having to go back to their school. Cause the thing about entering the portal, that doesn't mean for sure you're going to leave. Probably you're going to leave. Like, but that, there have been guys that have entered the portal and have come back mm. I don't know what's going on at Michigan State right now, man. They're starting quarterback left or best wide receiver left. I don't know what's going on in East Lansing right now. I, I have no idea. Mel Tucker's not doing a good job of recruiting his own guys. Now, he's done a good job in the portal bringing guys in like Kenneth Walker, but now he's seeing the reverse of it. His guys are leaving. But to answer the question, I, I think what happens to them, they they can go back to the school that they left, but there's no guarantee that there'd be room for them at that point. Yeah, and I think the honest answer is, is that like a lot of kids have gone – I looked at this last year – there were hundreds of kids still in the portal at the deadline that hadn't picked up a school. So if you're going in the portal, you know, you may end up playing D2 ball. You may end up playing Juco ball or something here if if you don't have a good landing spot. And that usually doesn't happen to Ohio State's guys. Ohio State's guys are much in demand. I'm sure Caleb Brown, for example, will end up at a very good school, right? He has – one of the Big Ten schools closer to Chicago written all over him and starting next year, which is probably his calculus. Um, but, yeah, not all these kids get picked up. And if you put yourself in the portal, they're not obliged to take you back, but they can take you back. It's like a decommitment. All right, we have a question about Aaron Scott I'm going to get to. Um, I'm right down the road here in Springfield, when I'm going back to the Dayton area, I always pass Springfield that – stretch between Columbus and Dayton where there's really nothing on 70 except cornfields till you get to the Springfield exit. Um, mm -hmm. Listen, I mean, I know they missed out on trade to priest, but um, he was from Springfield, but most kids from the Dayton area, vast, 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 vast majority. If Ohio state wants them, they get them. So I yeah. think they're going to land Aaron Scott from Springfield. Um, I don't have any inside information. It's just a gut feeling. What do you think Bax? 
I would be shocked if we lost Aaron Scott for the same reasons that you are. Um, it, draw a radius around Columbus of a 50-mile radius. Those are the kids that if we want, we really don't lose. Right. Like the, the only kids that I'm going to tell you that I would be worried about in that Columbus radius would be the kids who are at Catholic school kids and have Notre Dame ties. Uh, otherwise, you don't lose the kids. You, when was the last time we lost a kid we wanted? From Central Ohio, and then not like, hey, we're going to give you a scholarship late, right? Like, right. like it's June and we need or January and we need to fill a guy, right? I'm talking about like Aaron Scott. We're on him from the start from Central Ohio. He's not a Catholic school kid, so Notre Dame's not going to steal him, right? Who was us when we lost? Well, the Dayton area is a hotbed too. I mean, Springfield's kind of in between, closer to Dayton and Spring than Columbus, but kind of in between. Yeah, but Dayton or- burns for Ohio State too. Big time. Like for those that don't yeah. know, like we've got it, we've got a lot of subscribers. I'll just use this as an example. This is one of many. We've got a lot of subscribers on Bucknuts. Obviously, our number one market is Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Number two market as far as the number of subscribers, Dayton, Ohio. And so obviously Dayton Metro. Yeah. Even bigger than Cleveland. We've got a lot of subscribers from Cleveland area, Metro. Dayton's even bigger. That's how much of a hotbed Dayton is. Yeah. Maybe it helps that the founder of Bucknuts, Mr. Bucknuts, Lee Shear is from Dayton. Still lives It's not there. just Bucknuts, though, Dave. If you ever look at the ratings in major metropolitan areas for Ohio State football games or major football games around the country, Dayton always shows up. Dayton loves college football, and yep. Ohio State just happens to be their favorite one. I got to give Dayton a lot of credit for the way that they, they support their football teams. And DePriest is, you know, the only one I can think of. Somebody said, you know, Spider's talking about um, – Jackson Carmen, he's closer to Cincinnati than Dayton, though. Yeah, he's Fairfield. Yeah, you don't want to get that. I think some people get that mixed up with Fairmont, which is in Kettering and Dayton, but um, Fairfield's closer to Cincinnati than Dayton. So I don't, I don't consider Jackson Carmen a Dayton kid at and all. And Scott's halfway. Scott's half as close to Columbus as 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 Carmen. Scott's in our our circle, right? And I'm not doing anything more than just he's the top kid in Ohio. Springfield is right there. Right. And I don't see us not t- being in the lead for him. Right. And and for the commenter who said that Springfield is outside of 50 miles, if it's 51 uh, miles, I'm going to look. At, I'm looking it up right now on my phone. We're going to see I, here. I, I think it's 45 minutes. I mean, I've my gosh, if I don't know that. I don't know what I know because I live here in Hilliard. I, I've passed that Springfield exit like a million times in my life. I'm not 46, even 46 miles from your 46 house. 46 miles from. from from Ohio State? I put, I put in Columbus. I put 45. 46 miles. I put 45. 46 yeah. miles. That's in my 50-mile radius. Oh, if it's 45, oh, 46 miles. So if I'm driving, we'd get there in 30 minutes. I'm kidding. Yeah, it's about um, right. Yeah. <laughs> the the, the bill out of hell. Highway patrol. Now, if my brother-in-law Jordan is listening, I'm definitely kidding, Jordan. My, my <laughs> brother-in-law Jordan is a, you know, is a, uh, is a lieutenant. So, uh I tend to drive kind of fast on 70. All right, do we have one more question to get to? Not that we're not that the show's going off. But the it, one bit. thing here about Aaron Scott, I, sh- I should add, because um, that second half of that question is when we start getting D linemen. That's what I have been asking for a while. Our recruiting class now is ducky. It's great. I love it. Except we have two defensive recruits and like 10 on offense or something like that. <laughs> right. So yeah. like, yeah, Aaron Scott, kind of important. The top two kids in Ohio this year at corner, Better get them both because the other one's a Glenville kid, right? So those are the that's the thing that we're in a good spot here. It's not like the top two kids in Ohio are like Toledo kids and it's a fight. You have a Glenville kid and a kid from within fifty mile radius of of, of Columbus. Fifty. Those are guys 
that we should and usually do get. And now the 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 defensive line side of the equation, uh, yeah, those are the those are the, this is still the big recruiting question, right? We talk about how great a recruiter Heartline is. We just watched three guys go in the first round of the draft. They're all offensive guys. We still have to recruit the defensive side of the football every single year. And not having anybody but Zach Harrison drafted this past year is a direct reflection, if you go back on those recruiting classes, of us underachieving in those recruiting classes, period. I mean, and uh, this is not exactly what you were talking about, but I don't know what Larry Johnson was thinking this past year. I mean, how is Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage getting all these snaps over Tyleek Williams? Now, Mike Hall was banged up, so that's a little different. Those guys aren't even drafted, okay? you got guys that are not even drafted getting tons of snaps for Ohio State. Now, Cam Brown, they needed corners, so okay. They didn't have a and choice Cam Cam Ballister, undrafted. Ronnie Hickman, undrafted. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, and it's just been bad recruiting on the defensive side of the ball and bad development. Now, I do think were- this, this third, these guys that are going to be juniors this year, they've got a yeah. chance, and they brought in some good transfers as well, so – We'll see, but it's it's just that's where that's where the recruiting gap ended. The first two years of Day's tenure, we didn't land the defensive guys that were high up enough. And at the time we thought, oh, we'll be all right. We weren't. Um, and then the flip side of this too is is that if you look at the guys we missed on in that time period, Jordan Battle, draft pick, Clark Phillips, draft pick. Those are guys that would have been that were we thought were Ohio State guys that we lost during that time period. It wasn't until the JTT Sawyer recruiting class. Uh, Mike Hall was in that group. I think Tyleek was – Tyleek might be a year younger. I don't remember. If, no, he's the same group. They're, that was the first recruiting class that Ohio State brought in on D where we went back to getting elite kids, right? And we followed it with another year of elite kids. So we have those elite blue chip kids, but they're all the younger ones from the past years. And for whatever reason – unproductive older players like Javante Jean-Baptiste and Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage played a lot more than some of these young guys like Tyleek Williams, some of these young guys like Caden Curry. We would have liked to have seen on the field, right? And what happened with those guys? Undrafted, undrafted, transferred out, like all that stuff. So, yeah, there needs to be better use of deployment, but I'm hoping that the personnel that we recruited is maturing into the mainline guys for this year because that's how you have a year where we have one defensive player drafted. The last time we had this bad of a defensive draft was the 2012 draft where Nate Ebner was the only defensive player picked, and that was because Bill Belichick had special teams plans for him, right? So we have to go all the way back to the the, the year from hell to have that bad of a defensive recruiting uh, output into the NFL draft. So we have to do better. And they've stacked the last two years defensively, right? They've done good with those two years, right? In fact, I'd say even the last three years defensively, they've done pretty well. But you can't miss a year because the byproduct of the missed years is what we just saw. One more thing about Aaron Scott. We're going to take one more question. But Aaron Scott, I just want to mention this as well. Yeah, there's some Michigan smoke out there. I get that. But, like, I will say this. Both Bill Curlick and Steve Wiltfong have crystal balls in for Ohio State to land Aaron Scott. You've got the Dean. You've got the Fong. Both have crystal balls in. Six out of ten confidence level. So they're not supremely confident about it. But they put crystal balls in. So when those two put a crystal ball in for a kid mm-hmm. – um, that's a great sign. All right, so one more question when we get out of here. This is from J.D. Arbuckle on YouTube. Will Josh Simmons be a left tackle or a right tackle, do you guys think? I think Fryer is a better fit at right than left, says J.D. Okay, well, it's interesting. I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think if I had to just look at these two, it kind of feels like Fryer's more of the right tackle mold and Simmons is more of that left tackle uh, mold. But Simmons told our Bill Curlick that, 
he thinks he's going to be right tackle because he was told that Fryer's going to be the left tackle. Could that change? Perhaps. We have Simmons himself telling Bill Kerlick that um, he thinks he's going to compete at right tackle. Anything you'd like to add, backs? No, that's exactly what's going to happen. Remember when Vic Cutler got recruited in and we were like, oh, he played tackle against Texas? And he goes, yeah, they're bringing me in at center. Where's he been all year? Center. Just listen to the kid. He's going to play right tackle. Our left tackle, they're, they're comfortable with Fryer. They feel good about Fryer, right? And yes, hey, Fryer at right tackle is great when you got a Paris Johnson that you can play at left tackle. But, you know, right now he'll be a perfectly capable left tackle for us. Simmons is going to be the guy, kind of like with Carson Hensman going in the spring, where the staff isn't giving him the job, but they want him to take the job. Let's put it that way. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. Appreciate it, Bax. Thank you to all of you for tuning in and for all the questions. We appreciate you guys very much. Sorry if there wasn't a question we didn't get to. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Go Bucks.